When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? Fearful for the health of Guy Drinkle going forward. I imagine we're fast approaching polar bear season around his house. Yes, I, I would imagine so. Um, he's already begun the ice fishing portion of the year to forage his own food because obviously the roads get taken in around mm. this time of year up in the Great White North. Um, we're here today to discuss Lask, but let's be honest, there isn't an hour to do on Lask. So instead, we've got a couple of questions that have come in on Discord, and we'll go we'll go through the two of them, and then we'll have a look at Lask and mostly at what Liverpool should do in that game. So the first question is from the Mauritian one. Who would you have chosen to watch live and what match? So you've got Johan Cruyff in 1973 at Ajax, Zico playing for Brazil in 1982, or Diego Maradona in 1986 so who would you have picked and is there a specific match that you would want to watch you have to be at the game okay have you have you got yours yes go on then mine is very simple it is Diego Maradona in 1986 and it is the World Cup match against England where he scored arguably the greatest goal the game has ever seen and upset all the English people with the other goal that he scored. So that would be a source of great joy for me. So that's my choice. Yes, I, I had a, a feeling that that would probably be your, your pick. <laughs> it is not just an obvious one for, for Dave Hendrick to be picking, but it is the one, to be perfectly honest, that I would pick as well. I think a lot of people would indeed pick that. Um, I I have zero zero reason to go against that basically um that that is very very clearly the one that i would pick it's that that world cup even as well i think is the world cup from start to finish you could go with yeah it's it's the the world cup which was basically the first one after i was born but didn't get to to watch properly obviously i've seen you know later on clips but it was obviously the first one i was never really able to be immersed in let's say so first of all that would be my choice and then secondly there's obviously the fact of you know, there, there was so much about England. It was a very close run thing for England. And like you said, the greatest goal that was scored. Mm. Um, and so I don't really think that there's too much you can you can say to, to argue against that. But given that that's not really in my options, I guess I would go for Zico H2. So there were two games in that second weird group phase thing that they had. One was against Argentina where he did score and one was against Italy where he didn't score. So I might be tempted to say the Italy one because 
well, obviously, the, aside from Zico himself and Zico's overall performance at the at the World Cup, maybe you want to see a game that he did score in and did you know perform really big in. So maybe you have to pick the Argentina one. Plus, it's an Argentina v Brazil. But then, obviously, seeing Paulo Rossi get the hat trick against Brazil would obviously in itself be a pretty big thing. So I don't mind which of those two, but I think I would go for Zico second. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do. I think. Zico in that 82 World Cup is is absolutely sensational and and it is a a very entertaining World Cup pretty much start to finish um back when World Cups were good. So yeah, I mean the, the other thing with the with the 86 World Cup and the England Argentina game is the other goal, the one that's maybe even more famous than the great goal. Like Yes, he handled the ball, but it's always bothered me that Peter Shilton has completely escaped criticism on this. Diego Maradona was like five foot five, five foot six. So yes, he used his arm. Peter Shilton, it was six foot and allowed to use his hands. So the fact that Maradona handled the ball, it's not like his his arm was extended fully out it was a little bit above his head the fact that Peter Shilton didn't win that aerial has just been wiped away under feet and feet of excuses he has somehow skated on this and we're now 37 years later and it's time Peter Shilton was held accountable for the fact that if he'd just come out and claimed that ball using the extra five inches or six inches or seven inches of height that he had and the the fact he was allowed to fully extend his arms and either catch, punch, or slap the ball away, there's no excuse for Peter Shilton on this. I don't care that Maradona handled it. You're much taller than him and you're allowed to use your arms. I don't imagine there's any world in which he can out-jump you considering you're allowed to use your hands and extend fully. And yet it's just been washed away. Oh, Peter Shilton, he was robbed. No, if he'd done his fucking job, it wouldn't have mattered what Maradona had done. But he came out and he hesitated and he jumped as if he was trying to play with a child or something or prance over a phone book. It's it's embarrassing for Peter Shilton. So, and I've never, I don't like him as, a, as an individual because, well, Brexit. So, Peter Shilton needs to be held accountable for his part in that goal as well. I, I, I would be fairly confident that Peter Shilton, having read that message in Discord, did not expect that he would be on the receiving end of several missiles aimed his way uh, on, a, on a question about Cruyff, Maradona or Zico. But there we are. Yeah, that's exactly it. Peter Shilton. A great goalkeeper. Did I say up, un- Michael? <laughs> up until about 1985, and then he should have retired. Um, right. The next question. <laughs> the one you didn't want to do. No. Between the two of you, this is from Isaac, can you cope with nicknames on a par with the wardrobe for these players? Now, it's going to be very hard to match the wardrobe. But the players are Gavi, Pirlo, Fowler, Lothar Mateus, Matip, Mika Richards, John Walters, and Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne, the obvious one to me, is Hightower. Because he's enormous. He's six seven. He just he's a Hightower. Unless you have anything else, unless you want to go with stretch, but I don't think stretch is quite as good. No, I, I think that that's perfectly fine. And I, I have windmill for Joel Matip. Windmill. The windmill. I, I love it. Win, the windmill is fantastic for Joel Matip. We'll lock that one in. John Walters doesn't really deserve a nickname because he wasn't quite good enough for a nickname. I call him one in five because he's a striker who scored one in five across his entire career for club and country. What Guy's about. Chipping in. What? Is, say that again? Guy is chipping in in the comments. Oh. The top. The Tory. 
So he's gone with, he's, he's also suggested that Gavi would be just called overplayed in Spanish. Um, I think we can do a little bit better. Can I suggest for Micka Richards, the bungalow? <laughs> if you because there's nothing it. upstairs. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, that's not fair. Um, I think that. I mean, I'm Twitter, looking at this way. list, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing at least, at least two on this list who could be called the roller coaster. If we're looking at their career trajectory, are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well. Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. And maybe Mick is one of them. Mick is definitely one of them. Mick is, Mick is that ride at Alton Towers where you get brought right the way up and then dropped right the way down. That's, feel, that's Mick I feel, I feel like our Robbie Fowler is, is kind of the same, you know. He went yeah. higher, he fell faster, and then there was a little bit of, you know, a roller coaster where it goes back up again. We definitely had a bit of that for Fowler, but uh, it didn't go anywhere near as high, and that was kind of the end of the ride. Yeah, I think that's a fair one, though. I think the roller coasters are is fair for Robbie. I'm mean, um, not going to be his actual nickname anyway. Are we? No, we're not. I mean, fairness, God is the best nickname that probably that, any that is as good as it gets. So, yeah. Um, Andrea I Pirlo. I feel like Pirlo's had too many nicknames. He's, he's, he's got too many. Yeah, he does. I mean, see if we can find a comprehensive list. <laughs> The maestro, the, the architect, the professor, Mozart, the metronome. The metronome. Who calls someone the metronome? Behave yourselves. The maestro always was always good, but I did always like the architect. Mozart is good as well. I feel for Gabby, the, the best we can do at this early stage, and obviously... We'll we'll see about post injury, but what's the what's the scampiest but classiest looking dog that you can think of? Like a little ferrety sort of nippy dog, but you know looks quite graceful when it's on the move. Ooh, some sort of over eager cocker spaniel springs to mind. Yeah, a cockapoo. Because he's, got, no the, he's got the he's got the he's, he's got the he's got the scampiness of a cocker spaniel, but he's got like he's got a grace to him as well, like a poodle. He has. He so has. we'll go with there's the definitely there's, there's definitely a bit of of growl in him, but he looks beautiful doing it. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with the cockapoo. He could be the Molly either. Molly's Molly's half cockapoo, half terrier. Um, and she is. Yeah, she's very Gavi-esque in many of her behaviours. Um, Lothar Mateus. I mean... I mean, the obvious ones are things like the Kaiser and stuff like that, but that's, that's a nickname that's already been used. and was, Maybe was maybe he needs to be with, with literally on par, so you've got to think of a piece of furniture he could be. Absolutely on par with the wardrobe. Lo the Mateus. He's like he's like the bookshelf, because you can have him in any room, any position. He's got all the information involved. He's the cleverest player out there. 
Yeah, he's got a bit of versatility to him because it doesn't have to be books that you put on the shelves. It could be anything. Yeah. And, and I tell book- you what, like like a bookshelf that you've had for a, f- a good few years, he's absolutely full of himself as well. That's that's very true. <laughs> yeah, the bookshelf is good for Lothar. I'm not sure he'd like it, but he's not going to hear this, so it's fine. <laughs> um, you'd never know. He might obsessively search the internet for mention of himself at all times. Um yeah, the bookshelf is good for, for Lothar. If we were to go furniture for all of them, like uh, the windmill the windmill is still brilliant. I don't, I'm disgusted that I didn't think of that. Um if you're to go furniture for all of them, I mean Pirlo's probably the dining table, you know, brings everybody together. Nice. Fowler. Fowler is like a recliner. It's incredible when you first get it, but then it starts to break down and the mechanism goes and then maybe the springs start to go and it's not quite as good, but you still love it because you remember the good days with it. And when your wife tells you to get rid of it, you refuse and it gets moved into a different room, but then you sneak it back into your own room and she comes in one day to watch TV and she's like, what the fuck is that doing here? You're like, this is, this is my recliner. I'm keeping this forever. Um, Joel would be like the grandfather clock just explodes every so often with, you know, random limbs or things throwing out in, in a bizarre direction. Slightly clunky, but there when you need it. That's exactly it. Micka Richards. Micka Richards is like an air fryer. What? You know, it's new. It's exciting. It bursts onto the scene. And then you realize, is it really worth having? Is it? Does does it does it solve me any any problems? And you just kind of put it away to one side. Uh, John Walters would be something shit. A footstool, really, yeah. If he's like a footstool, yeah, something that you don't you don't really want to use it all the time. But you know, you should probably have one in your house. And Dan Byrne, you know those really skinny, tall bookshelves that people have. Like you put it. If you've gotten a narrow corridor that's got a, a, an end wall, you might put like a thin bookshelf there. I don't know what they're called, though. Do you know what Dan Byrne is? Dan Byrne is the hat stand. He's tall and thin, and he does a job. A very specific function. A very specific function. So there you go. We didn't get one for Gavi for a house, for, for a piece of furniture. I mean, he's currently in pieces, so he can be whichever Ikea piece of furniture you want. <laughs> Just call him Ikea. <laughs> he's where you go to get your furniture. Right. <laughs> right, that'll do that. Right, let's move on to last. Um, right, we are playing last on Thursday night in the Europa League. They currently sit third in the Austrian Bundesliga. Uh, obviously, they finished in third place last year as well. Now, it's still early in their season as it is in ours, so lots to be played for, lots to shake out. Uh, they did win at the weekend. They beat Tyrrell 1-0. Uh, their previous game had been postponed, and prior to that, they did lose 2-0 to Linz. In their last outing in the Europa League, they pulled off a bit of a shock when they beat Union St. Gelos 3-0. I don't think anyone was really expecting that, but a penalty by Horvath, Talaverov, and Zulj with the goals. So what that means is that in the group table, we are sitting top of the table with nine points. Toulouse have seven. Union have four. And Lask have three. So that's the only points they've taken after three straight defeats. 
it feels like we should already be through. We obviously had a poor outing in the last game against Toulouse. Probably our worst performance since getting spanked at City last season. The only time this season that we've really looked a mess, like we were absolutely all over the place in that game. Hmm. But the hope will be that we bounce back, take the confidence from the City game and head into this one, knowing that a win guarantees us, well, actually doesn't guarantee us anything because if Toulouse win at the weekend, it doesn't guarantee us top spot. We'd need to get a result in the final game, but we'll pretty much guarantee us top spot. We'll be, we'll be fairly close to guaranteed top spot. Uh, if Union can beat Toulouse, then we will be, or, or, or draw with Toulouse, we will be guaranteed top spot. And that's what we need to aim for. We need to aim to win this group because that saves you a round in this competition. So... This is such a stupid competition. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a nonsense. Like, it's Ugh. an absolute nonsense. There's, there's too many teams. There's this idea that you can be crap in one tournament and drop into another. I just don't like it. I don't like the fact that you've got teams dumping in out of the Champions League. Um, I understand that it's to raise the the quality in the competition or whatever, but I still just think it's it's very, very silly. Um, we just need to win this game. That's the be-all and the end-all, Carl. And then we can, we can worry about everything else when the time comes. Yeah. So... I, mean, I, I, I tried to have a little look at Lask, right, so, to have a bit of something to say about them. But you know what? It's so even in terms of just pure results, it's so erratic from them and they're not playing in like a tremendous league at a tremendous level or anything like that. They've had a notable result, which was beating Salzburg away from home uh, at the end of October. Not really anything else. That's, that's the thing. In the last 12 away games, they're obviously away at Anfield. So in the last 12 away games, all competitions, they've won three. It's not, a stellar record which suggests they're going to pose us a massive problem. We very, very comfortably beat them on their turf. I know they took the lead, but you know, let's be honest, we, we were barely out of second gear for most of that match. There's just not lots here to say we're going to be in need of... We are going to need a better performance than against Toulouse because we were, like you say, dreadful, but probably not that much of a better performance. Even with our terrible performance, we still almost didn't lose against Toulouse. And this is a step down, if we're being honest. Like we're at home where we are away against Toulouse and Lask are not as good a side as Toulouse are. Um, and even they are not particularly good. So there's just not a huge amount of, again, I would say jeopardy in this match. This isn't necessarily going to be the one I think even Lask look to and think that this is a you know a massive game for them. They're away to Austria Vienna at the weekend, who themselves are below them in the table, but on a that well they were on a slightly different decent run of form up until they lost at the weekend. I think Lask, in terms of trying to finish third in the group, probably think that they did the job they needed to last time out. It doesn't matter if they lose away to Liverpool, which is their hardest match of the entire group stage, and they can take it all the way to the final group game. If they do that and go with the last match with a chance to still finish third, I think that's job done for them. Yeah, because they'll know that barring Union getting a result, uh, a win against Toulouse, they'll go into the last game, they'll face Toulouse and Union play us. And they'd fancy their chances of, of nipping something and they'll have the head to head advantage over union. So if union lose and they lose, it's just all down to that final game. Um, Or if they could, if they could nip a draw, I mean, that puts them level on points with, with union, but they'd go above them based on the head to head. But that seems unlikely. 
like you said, they're they're mixed bag in the league. Like you look at their last five games, they've won three, they've won, lost one, and they've drawn one. The best result they had was that win away to Salzburg. But I mean, it, it's not exactly you know a high caliber league. Salzburg are, are a good team. Sturm Graz are quite good, and they've got some interesting players. And after that, it's. It's six teams that are probably on a fairly even scale from Lask to Austria, Vienna. Linz and Altac seem like they're in their own little sort of mini group. And then Tyrol and uh, Austria, Lustanzu are just way below the caliber of the rest of them. So for Lask, the best they can probably hope for this season domestically is third place and another crack in Europe next season. And I do think that they will focus in more on the domestic competition than on the the European competition. Because they know, like, realistically, these teams know they're not going to win the competition. It's just about revenue for them. It's about getting as many games as they can to get some revenue. But they they could potentially win an Austrian Cup, you know, so that's where their focus will be. For us, we know we can win this competition. And if you look at the competition as it stands, in Group A, you've got West Ham and Freiburg level and nine points. West Ham currently uh, top of the group. In Group B, you've got Marseille and Brighton that would come through. Uh, Group C, you've got Real Betis and Rangers. Group D, Atalanta and Sporting. Group E, ourselves and Toulouse. Group F, Rennes and Villarreal. Group G, Slavia, Prague and Roma. And Group H, you've got Bayer Leverkusen and Quarabeg. They're the teams currently advancing from the groups. So the group winners would go into the round of 16 and the runners-up would await the teams dropping out of the Champions League, which at the moment would be Galatasaray, Lens, Braga, Red Bull Salzburg, Feyenoord, AC Milan, Red Star Belgrade, and Shakhtar Donetsk. Have I said one team there, Carl, that you think are better than us, that could beat us in this competition? Because I don't see who that team would be. There's a couple that would be tough. I'm looking at Leverkusen. I'm looking at Atalanta. I'm looking at maybe Marseille, though they are very hit and miss. None of the teams dropping in out of the Champions League would worry me at all. Milan are, I would say, the best of them. A uh, trip to Galatasaray wouldn't be fun, but we're a better team than them. But there's no one here we should be we should be worried about. We 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 at the moment, as things currently stand, we should be strong favourites to win this competition, in my opinion. Yeah, we are strong favourites to win the competition um, with any... Um, with any bookies, there's the, the odds are fairly astronomical in our favour, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Leverkusen, I think, are the only ones who are capable, let's say, across a two-legged uh, a tie to to match us, to be better than us. If we have an off day, they can absolutely beat us, no question there. They're having a really good season. Does that extend into February, March for them? We don't know, obviously. It's still early in their growth as a team. It's still early in... Xavi's tenure and certainly with regards to European football and all the rest of it, it's not a difficult group that they're in. Hack and Mulder Karabag. That's that's not really where we're going to learn about what this Leverkusen side is, but you look at them in the Bundesliga, obviously, and we can see that, yes, they're a very, very good side. Um, honestly, there's nobody at all in the Europa League that I would be even mildly concerned about. Like Atalanta, okay, fine, the decent. I don't think they're as good as they were a couple of years ago by quite some distance. Um, and obviously the Premier League teams, we know that they are difficult if you don't play at your best. We also know that we can spank West Ham and we can be Brighton. Um, they, they, they're not teams which will concern us unduly. Yeah, you have to play well. But once you get to the knockouts, you're going to have to play well to be anybody at all. Like You can't go through and play Roma or sporting or someone like that and play at like 50% capacity because we will lose and we will go out and that'd just be stupid because we're miles better than them. Um, as for the teams who are in third at the minute, I think in a couple of groups, 
they're actually the the better option that we might choose like out of the four or even let's say the three who might finish in third i would say some of them are actually the ones you'd probably pick if if you could mm. um like but i don't think it should matter either way like i genuinely don't really think whether it's Salzburg who finished third or Benfica ended up finishing third, to be honest, that we should honestly be concerned either way. No, we wiped the floor with both of those teams. I think we beat Feyenoord quite comfortably. It could be Lazio, it could be Atleti. That group is, is very tight. Atleti would be the one that would worry me. If they somehow they, they capitulate and drop in, but I don't think they will. No, I think they'll get through. Um... I mean, you're just not going to be worried about Lens. You're not going to be worried about Braga. You're not going to be worried if it's PSV. Sevilla obviously are like mutants when they draw when they come into this competition. But I do think they're going to finish bottom of that group. Braga won't concern us all that much at all. I mean, you could get a tough look. There is a world in which it's PSG that drop it, where they have a bit of a meltdown in their last two games in, in in Group F and maybe they only take one point and go in ahead of Newcastle or something. But like that's not going to worry us for now. At the moment, it's Milan or Newcastle looking the more likely to get there. Newcastle would be tough. But there's also a difference in us playing a Premier League team in the Premier League and us playing them in a European competition on a European night at Anfield. Mm. The atmosphere is very different. Yeah. And those teams, your Newcastles, your West Hams, your Brightons, they've never experienced anything like Anfield on a European night. Whatever they might think they've accomplished, they've never been at Anfield on a European night. Now, Brighton have been to the velodrome which is a pretty hostile place, but it's also quite a, a an open state or like it's a it's a bowl stadium, so the the sound is different. Anfield is a proper cauldron with the sound staying in. Yeah, no, like that is it's completely different. Even if you go to the same stadium in a group stage match, yeah, of course it is. Formal matches to play is. and then the knockouts to go to the semis, like. That's the thing. The, the, the group stage, the people are just going more out of curiosity than anything else. The knockout is when it gets, when the real business starts. And none of these English teams have experienced anything like Anfield on a European night. So, like, I do think that will play a big factor in our favour as well. I mean, if I'm if I'm picking someone that we could get in the next round, I'd love us to play Feyenoord. I would. I'd love us to play Feyenoord because I think their stadium is another one that's a fantastic venue for a game. And another place that generates a great atmosphere, but I mean, give us any of them. I'm, I'm not. I'm not looking at any of these. Like you mentioned, Leverkusen, they would be the one that you just think. Well, current form, that's going to be very, very tough. You know, you look at them in the like you said in the league this season. They've beaten Leipzig. They've gone to Gladbach and won comfortably. They hammered Darmstadt. They went to Bayern and got a draw. They hammered Heidenheim. They went away and hammered Mainz. They hammered Cologne. They went away and beat Wolfsburg. They beat Freiburg. They went to Hoffenheim and won. And in their last two, they've hammered Union Berlin. But, I mean, they're a mess at the moment. And they did sack the manager over the international break, which we had speculated they might. And then they beat Werder Bremen heavily at the weekend. But, like, I can tell you, Werder are a bang average like I watch every Werder Bremen game, they're bang average and Leverkusen beating them 3-0 was no surprise. But, you know, they, they are in great form domestically, 11 wins and a draw from their 12 games. As you said, the the group they've got in this competition, I mean, you, you couldn't have asked for better. You really couldn't have asked for, for a better, um, a better selection of teams. Hacking, Crap, Molda, not very good. Quarabeg, not very good. They're going to breeze through that group, and it's fair enough. And in the same thing in the in the domestic cup, they've played lower league teams so far. Um, so while the start has been incredible, and Alonso deserves an enormous amount of credit 
for what he's accomplished there in just over a year since taking over. Like, there's only a handful of good teams that they've actually played. Leipzig, Bayern, it's kind of it. It's kind of it. They're the only good teams that have actually played this season. So, like, we would be a step up Certainly on Leipzig, I think we're about even with Bayern. I think we can beat them, especially given the fact it would be two-leg and they'd have to come to Anfield, which will be unlike anything those players have ever experienced. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, 100% agree. I think it's, um, like I said, right back at the beginning, this group stage is not really anything for us at all. We we, we, sh- we won't and shouldn't, across the course of six teams, get much of a, a contest I'm surprised, therefore, as we said at the start of the whole thing, that certain players have been involved. But, you know, we, we will need to use them in the second half of the campaign anyway if uh, if we are going to win. So it's as well that some of them are getting uh, a bit of a mix of, you know, playing with the backups and the, the starters as such, I suppose. So this game shouldn't really determine anything other than, you know, guarantee the Liverpool are through and all the rest of it. But we're not going to learn much about this. No. And in terms of Liverpool's lineup. We have three games in the Premier League in the space of six days coming up afterwards. Mm. I would very much like to hope, therefore, we are going to get a, let's say, capable, but nowhere near first choice team for this last match. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, uh, my assumption is Quevin Kelleher starts in goal and he needs to perform because he's going to have to play league games by the looks of it. So Quevin in goal... I'd guess Joe Gomez right back, Kanate and Kwanzaa centre back. And at left back, maybe Luke Chambers, because we need Costas for the league games. I mean, Callum Scanlon would be the other option there, but I think Luke Chambers is probably just ahead of him in the pecking order and in terms of development. Would you have any change from that goalkeeper back four setup? Uh, I don't think so, to be honest. I, I think. Centre-back especially, that's exactly what I'd do. Um, I think Quanta, again, has been playing pretty well. It's important he still gets some development time mm-hmm. if we're going to be you know, continuing to to ask him to play in that. So if Gomez is now more or less always going to be used as a full-back, regardless of which side it is, apparently, uh, then yes, he definitely needs to keep playing. So the only real question I suppose is which uh, young player you want to start so we've got a couple of players who might be able to start on the right a couple of players who might be able to start on the left and Gomez is the other one basically yeah I mean yeah you, you mentioned you know there is there is the the opportunity the possibility that Gomez could play left back in this game because you've got um, Connor Bradley could potentially come in at right back and obviously he's missed mo- like all of the season so far, but he is back in full training and he is back up to speed. So he could play right back and Joe could play left back. I-, I-, I think I'd be hesitant to just throw him in from the start. I think maybe start Joe and bring Bradley on with, with 25 to go and you can either take Joe off or move him into the centre and take one of the centre-backs off. Or you could move Joe to left back and take off Scanlon or Chambers, whichever one starts. Um, midfield, then, 
it, to me, it's, it, it, I think it has to be Curtis Jones, Waturo Endo, and Ryan Gravenberg. I think that's the midfield to go with. I think it's fine unless you want Jones to be starting the first of those three matches. True. Or two of them. Because like we play Fulham, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, and they are on the third, the sixth, and the ninth. So yeah. we I, I in my opinion, we need as close to a settled eleven to play those three matches as possible. I know not everybody's going to be able to start all three, but as close to it with little disruption as we can. And a couple of them obviously are just coming back from injury, so they will have to be managed a bit. Yes, including Curtis. Yeah. It's just uh, he had he had a poor game against City. I've re you know, I've rewatched the game and defensively he was actually very good. It was on the ball where all the issues happened. It was well, just I think that's mostly a result of inconsistent game time again. Yeah, that's exactly it. It was just a hesitancy, not being in rhythm, not not being as locked in as he was pre-Spurs. Yeah. Because I mean, pre-Spurs, we saw him constantly make the right decision every yeah. single time. I, I do think that there's a, a, a case to be had here, especially in this kind of a group game, where you can say this one sub or these two subs even are happening at half time. Yeah. So go out and play 45 at full tilt, be as focused and locked in as possible, give it everything, and that's all you're doing, basically. That's so if exactly it's a case it. of, you know, Harvey Elliott for one half and Jones for the other, for example, fine. Yeah, see, I, I had Harvey starting right wing I with know, Gapo no. and Diaz yeah. and yeah, Nomo. Well. Dominic and Mo, like... Go away. Think, Go on holiday. They shouldn't even be in the squad for this game yeah. because they both look exhausted because... They're playing every single minute that's available under Klopp, and then they're going away with their international teams and being run into the ground, especially Sabozlai playing in a midfield role. But you know the way Salah is with the the level he holds himself to and with the pressure that he puts on himself to elevate a very, very poor Egypt team to a competitive level. It... it to me, I just I don't even want them in the squad. I don't want them there for Jurgen to be able to turn around to and just go, "Oh, come over here and play a game." I'd, I'd rather than they, that they get left at home. Well, I know we're at home, but I mean in their houses, not even at the stadium, because if Jurgen sees them, he'll, he'll put them on the pitch. Um, you see, I was thinking a, a Harvey Gakpo Diaz front three. Or, or Harvey Gakpo Jota, because Harvey Gakpo Diaz doesn't really have a goal scorer in it. At least Harvey Gakpo Jota does. And I prefer when Diaz plays with Mo and Darwin. I think that's just our best front three. I don't want to see Ben Doak start this game, but I have a feeling he might. I have a feeling it could be Harvey Endo Gravenberg in midfield, which to me is completely unbalanced. And then they'll put Doak right wing. And the issue I have, like Ben Doak, is, he's clearly an enormous talent. There's no question the kid has real promise for the future. But there's no end product with him. <clears throat> like, it's a lot of huff and puff. But nothing comes of it. Like, you'd have to really struggle to think of even one good chance that he's... I think he created one good chance the last time he played in this competition. And that's kind of been it. Like he beats his man and then he makes, makes the wrong decision a lot of time, which is fine because he's, he's a child. He's 17. He's expected to make the wrong decision, but like, it's a lot of head down and, and charge and not really head up and, and have a look and see what's on for you. But if he does play right wing and Harvey's right side midfield, we should still have more than enough to yeah. beat Lask. Yeah, what would you do in midfield and attack? Um, I would start Endo for sure. I would start Gravenberch for sure. And I would prefer Gravenberch to be right side um, as the one who's able to really get forward and and support in the channel, get into the box as much as he possibly can. Um, I would prefer... I think I would go with Jones to start. But like I said, 
make that one one that you've already decided you know whether it's half time or 55 minutes again which is kind of where he, where he came off at the weekend that's it like you're only going to play the 55 because you're going to be in the team again and we need you back up to speed that's what this is this is effectively an extended training session for you and you alone um that's what i would like to see for jones we just don't really have any other alternatives other than Elliot coming in because obviously two, let's say what would be squad midfielders at the minute are not there in Bastic and Thiago. Mm. And the others, obviously McAllister can't play in this game either. He, you know, he no. said, said himself like he was all but gone for the Man City match. So he needs this break if we're going to be calling on him to play all three of those next week. Uh, and obviously Endo himself, on the other side of the scale, needs to get back up to speed as much as he can. So I think that's it, really. It's either Elliot starts, and maybe, maybe in fact, both of them do. And maybe Ben Doak is the half-time sub on for Jones. And then you shuffle them around, put Elliot back from right wing into midfield. Gravenberg yeah. goes from right to left, you know? And yeah. then you're still getting half a game for, for Ben Doak. And it's not just a... Is there a possibility that James McConnell plays... You know, you play Curtis half the game and give McConnell half the game, or could Bobby um, Clark get some minutes here? If he, if I think he's I, back I, fit, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, somebody, somebody else will be on the bench, obviously, but I, I don't honestly know where where they are in terms of recent performances and everything. So, best not to just guess that one of them is going to start. But yeah. yes, I would imagine whichever one of Curtis and Gravenberch starts, and quite possibly both of them. Neither of them are going to finish out the 90 if they're both no. on the pitch from kickoff. No, I agree with that. Um, I will be curious to see if, um, you know, just, just on the, the topic of, of young players, you know, there's a couple, like, for example, um, Isaac Mabea. Remember, he was kind of in and around the first team picture a few years ago, and then he's seemingly kind of dropped out of that. Um, there was more of a preseason than anything else, but Fraundorf was another one who was in and around the first team picture for a little bit of time, did play for us in the FA Cup, played in the EFL Cup last year, and he's seemingly now kind of out of the picture. And I don't know if they're injured. I don't know what the situation is, but I wonder might Klopp give, give one of them an opportunity just to be on the bench um, and maybe get get five or ten minutes. But McConnell, in the limited minutes that I've seen of him, he, he does look a decent player. Like, I have been I have been pretty impressed. And I wonder if he might just bring him for this game and say, look, you're going to get 15 minutes. Gravenberg is going to play 75, then you're coming on. And, you know, that would be hugely beneficial to him as well. Uh, to get those professional minutes in his legs. Um, look, the, the bottom line on this, Carl, is that we should win this game fairly comfortably. Uh, we are a significantly better team than them. We know that. We have already beaten them this season. Now, we made, I would say, tougher work of that than we needed to, going 1-0 down before coming back to beat them 3-1. And that 3-1 included a very late goal by Mohamed Salah. But at home, and we're we're playing better now, I think, than we were then. I do think a comfortable win here is is the order of the day. I'm going to pick 4-1 to the Reds. You're going for us to concede again? Yeah, just because... I don't have a huge amount of faith in Cuevin Kelleher right now. I'd love us to keep a clean sheet because it would be confidence building for him, for Kwanzaa, for which, whoever the fullbacks are because it won't be the starting pair. Ibu, I think, because he's a, he's a first-team player, it's not really you know something that's going to matter to him massively as long as we win. But I think for those other players, especially the younger players, I do think keeping a clean sheet is, is is a great confidence booster. And I think for Kelleher as a goalkeeper, it's a big confidence booster. He's not a young player anymore. He's 25 years of age. But I, I do think, you know, given he's he's almost certainly going to have to play 
the three league games that we mentioned because of Allison with whatever issue he has. Um, I, I think he needs to be confident going into them. Um, I'll go for. Do you know what? I'll I'll be the optimistic one this time. Will I? Yes. I'll go. I'll go for a an early breakthrough, which gives us obviously a bit of confidence and a bit of a swagger in our gameplay, but also gives us a bit of um, counter-attacking possibility for part of the game as well. Maybe they maybe they come out a little bit earlier than they were planning to, or whatever. So. I'll go for a, a full 4-0. Maybe even 5 if that's not going to get me in trouble with certain listeners. Lisa Marie is already sharpening the knives. She'd put them away after making apple tarts for people. Didn't make one for me. Did you get an apple tart? You could send an apple tart. This time. No. It's an absolute scandal. Seth and Danny were, discuss- were discussing yesterday. It's like a personal attack on all of us that we weren't sent one. They look very nice as well, I have to say, but there was none for any of us, which is just, it's its absolutely outrageous behaviour. I mean, this is Thanksgiving. This is a time for family and for, for you know, being around the people you care about and you're not sharing your apple tarts. It's just not, it's not acceptable behaviour. I don't care that you live in Tennessee and that we live the other side of the ocean. There is FedEx. Postal it's, works. Postal works, doesn't That's it? it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. You, you, could, you could put it in some sort of vac seal, send it across, I think it'd be fine, but no, 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 absolutely not. None for none of us, uh, for none of us. Guy obviously wasn't going to get one because the post stops this time of year where he lives. So he'd have to wait till March before he'd actually get delivered his. And by that point, it would be fucking rancid no matter no matter what she did to prepare it. But yeah, no, we, we could have been sent ours and we weren't. So I'm just personally, personally outraged. Um, but yeah, so 5-0 for you, 4-1 for me. Hopefully a good night for the Reds. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, I did a piece of sort of squad depth there around the top of the table, um, which came out after the Man City game, which feels a long time ago now, but it wasn't mm. actually. It was only a few days still, but we've done lots of podcasts since then. So, uh, yeah, that plus the rest of what we do for this week, I guess we'll have another scouted um, ahead of the weekend's game, and then they'll be coming very, very regularly because, as we said, we've got a lot of games coming up. Yeah, a lot of games coming. Yeah, so we will have a scouted for Fulham and then things start to get uh, busy. (laughs) They start to get busy with games. Right, we will be back later in the week, folks. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.